But there's a word from the Lord as we continue to look at this year-long theme that God has given us entitled Restore, Support, and Strengthen. God said to me, as I said to you last week, he says that what perhaps plays a major role in our ability to be restored and strengthened, even to gain God's support, would be our attitudes. Somebody say attitudes. So he gave me an assignment. He said to me as I was doing my sermon preparation, he says the next seven messages you preach, I want you to preach on attitudes. On attitude. He forewarned me, in fact, God, God in, in his own quiet way, uh, spoke to me, to my spirit, and say, it is not about emotions, it's not about running around the church making you happy, jump and shout. It's about you getting the value of God's word. So I accept the challenge. I accepted the assignment to work on seven messages dealing with attitude. And God says, if you receive his word throughout these next seven messages, last week was the first, God will bless you where you will see yourself being restored and strengthened in ways that you've never been before. How many of you accept that challenge? Amen. See, to this point, the messages on restore, support, and strengthen have been about what God can do for us, what God will do, what we expect God to do. God says for the next seven weeks, I want to talk about how our role contributes to that. So here's the challenge. Here's the assignment. God says apply it to our own individual lives. Don't judge anyone else. This is for you. <laughs> Amen. Receive it in the manner in which God has given it. Our text for today's message, this the second message in this sub-series, I would say, on attitude in this year to be restored, support, and strengthened. The text is found in the book of Philippians chapter number 4 and verses 10 to verse 13 and we're reading from the NIV which is the New International Version here the reading of God's holy word verse 10 says and I quote I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. <laughs> Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Verse 11, Paul writes, I am not saying this because I am in need. Please listen to this. This is where the subject is found. For I have learned <laughs> to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well fed or hungry. Whether I am living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. <laughs> ah, that's right. Clap those hands for God's words. We ask his blessings on the hearing and the reading of his word. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you from the subject, an attitude of contentment, an attitude of contentment. In our 
message on last week, we talked about an attitude of gratitude, which was the first of seven messages on attitude. In that message on last week, it was stated in the message that the foundation of most successful relationships revolves around our attitude. Listen, I said to the early morning congregation that the longer you live, the more you're in a relationship. and Perhaps the more relationships you have been in, the more you come to value attitudes. Amen. Where once you may have valued appearances, you may have valued resources, somebody really, really got you going because they were, quote, fine. There's some fine demons in this world. But now you come to realize that someone who may be even more cosmetically challenged Wife laughs at me. We find new words to say things, okay? Uh, but have a great attitude better than someone who looks the part but acts like a fool. Can I preach to you? So attitudes matter. Am I right? This is also the case as it relates to our relationship with the Lord. Hearing God says, your attitude matters. Uh, God appreciates your tithing and your offerings. He appreciates your anointing, to worship and arts team, your, your abilities and your anointing to sing and to usher us into a praise atmosphere. But God really appreciates your attitude. Attitudes matter. I, I, I've come in my life to rather surround myself with people with less talent with a better attitude than people with more talent and a bad attitude. Amen, somebody. I can allow your talent to develop, but if you've got a bad attitude, you are hard to be around. And my life is too short to waste too many days with people with bad attitudes. Look at somebody and say, attitude matters. Listen, it has been said that our attitude will determine our altitude. In other words, how high you go up is determined often by your attitude, which in terms helps to shape our destiny. So catch this, not only how high you go up, but where you end up. Ooh, has a lot to do with your attitude. Lord, why am I stuck in this place? Why do I keep attracting the same people? Why am I still here? And God says, check out your own attitude. Amen. Because attitude matters. It determines how high you go up and where you end up. And so, in today's message, our assignment is to discuss another important attitude that also helps to shape our destiny. And it is an attitude of contentment. Somebody say contentment. Listen, contentment plays a major part in our emotional as well as our spiritual development. Do not underestimate what a major significant role it plays in your emotional and spiritual well-being. Listen, when we speak of contentment today, we're speaking of a state of being happy of being satisfied. In fact, I would say it is being happy because you are satisfied. <laughs> Did you catch it? See, a whole lot of folk aren't happy because they can't ever be 
satisfied. Contentment is I'm happy because I'm satisfied. That's what we are discussing today. And here's what God said to me. He said, perhaps one of the most significant things that happens to someone whose life has truly been transformed by the power of God. Please don't miss this. They develop a genuine attitude of contentment. To those whose lives have been transformed by God, they really transform, not faking it until you make it. But if God, if the power of God has changed your life, I'm a living witness of that. You will develop a genuine attitude of contentment. Listen, this is very important. I've underlined it in my notes and and we have it, I think, for you as as a handout. It is this, true contentment is a virtue. Go to that one. Uh, Because true contentment Listen, look at this, is a virtue that comes only from a transformed life. Leave that up there for a moment. Take a picture of that. If you're home, wherever you are, because I want this to resonate in your life. True commitment and true contentment is a virtue that comes only from a transformed life. Look at it. And I, I, am, I am taking my time on purpose this morning. True contentment is a virtue that will only happen when your life has been transformed. Listen to the latter part of this statement that God gave me. Those whose lives are controlled by their flesh and their emotions are rarely content about anything. They seem to always be anxious and unfulfilled. I told you I want to talk to you throughout this series. God says if your life is being controlled by your flesh, listen, if your life is being controlled by your emotions, you always have a bucket list. <laughs> they they You can't fulfill anything. You are anxious about everything. You are rarely fulfilled in anything. Nobody is good enough. No job is good enough. Uh, Nothing, no church is good enough. Why? Because it, 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 have you ever thought about if, if nothing or no one is good enough, perhaps it ain't them. Excuse the English. <laughs> Am I right? I, listen, you've been married five times and looking for number six and all of them are still alive. Uh, maybe, maybe. Just, just, can I say something? I mean, I ain't talking about you because I don't know none of your business. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not them. Maybe it's you. Maybe you are looking for the right thing in the wrong places. Listen, it is said, here's another quote that I want to leave you, that contentment is not getting what you want, but wanting what you have. See, contentment is not getting the latest car. Contentment is, I kind of like the car I have. It may be 10 years, 15, 20 years old. Deacon Joe Nesbitt, I got behind you the other day with that orange 30-year truck that you drive. And I knew, I said, that's Deacon Joe Nesbitt. And what I like about him, he kept the same truck. And I knew when I got behind Deacon Nesbitt, I wasn't going fast because he was going to take his time in his orange 30-year truck. And if you're going to pass me, that's your business. But I like that because 
Nesbitt like his truck and he doesn't feel compelled to always keep up with the Joneses. It is not getting what you want, but it is wanting what you already have. Can I preach this? Listen, from a spiritual perspective, contentment is simply to be satisfied with what God is doing in our lives. Here's the realization quote that we put up. It is the realization that what God provides is more than enough. Who am I preaching to? That is what contentment is. It is the realization that what God provides for me is more than, it may not be what you have. I may not look as good as you have. I may not live in your neighborhood, but I've got news for you. What God has given me is for me and it's enough for me. I can praise God for what he's already given me. Is there anybody right now know how to give God a hand of praise because it's more than enough. It's more than enough. Ooh. Contentment has been described as the antithesis or the complete opposite of anxiety. But listen to this. For where there is anxiety, you can count on this. Anybody you know who's always anxious? Anybody you know who's restless? Anybody you know who can't ever keep still, can't keep moving, always got to do, find something, go somewhere, got to find something new? Anybody who lives in anxiety, there's usually stress and contention, which another good word for that is confusion. Amen. Uh, most people who cause confusion are people who live in anxiety. Most people who are always in the middle of confusion are people who are restless and, and can't ever be satisfied with anything. They're stressed out because they stress themselves out. Ain't nobody stressing them out. They stress themselves out because where there is anxiety, there is usually stress and contention but where there is contention where there is I get it con, uh, contentment there's usually peace and joy let, let, let me slow this down for you anxiety stress contention contentment peace and joy broke but I'm still happy Living in the same little place I lived in for the past 30 years. I'm happy with my little house, somebody says. I'm happy with my car. I'm happy with who I am. I don't have to keep up with anybody else. I'm happy with what I have. I don't have Louis or Gucci or anything else, but I'm happy with Uchi and Wacha and whatever it is. Somebody ought to give God a hand of praise for what now if you can afford more and it doesn't stress you out go get it but if you got to be stressed over getting more stuff you don't need it who am I preaching to listen how first Timothy 6 and 6 puts it it's an easy scripture to remember 6 and 6 first Timothy it says godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, if you want to get ahead, then you walk in godliness with contentment. It is great gain. There's some witnesses in here to know that I've got more than you think I have. Uh, it may not look like it, but all of my resources are not really based on appearances. How many of you know some of your greatest resources cannot be seen with the natural eye? It's not stuff you can feel or touch. Your greatest resources 
are not things that other folk hit you up on and say, you know I'm proud of you. Woo! God has given you some things that all that God can give you. Somebody say contentment. Listen, as we turn to the text, let us examine in the text what Paul uh, says as it relates to an attitude of contentment. Paul writes this very personal and encouraging letter to a very special group of people that were very close to his dear heart. Church in Philippi, the church in that part uh, of the region meant a lot. Macedonia area meant a lot to Paul. In fact, there's a church started by Sister Lydia uh, and the woman who sold purple. Church was started in her house. Amen. And so it was a special church to Paul. Uh, most theologians would tell you without hesitation, it is one of Paul's favorite churches. In fact, if you look at the fourth chapter in the first verse of the book of Philippians, the New King James, Paul refers to this church as his joy and crown. In other words, Paul says, you are very special to me. A church that he writes in chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. It was special. A lot of great things happened uh, in the church in Philippi. It was where the Philippian jailer was converted. The Bible says after he was saved, he went to a house, Lydia's house, and he and his whole family were saved. Paul felt very close to this church, this church in Philippi. So he writes this epistle, although he is close to them. What is so ironic about this text is that this is one of what's called the prison epistles. Paul writes this during what was a very difficult time in his own personal life. There's a lesson there for us. Paul encourages others during his difficulty. Look at somebody and say, there's a lesson there. Let me say it again. Paul encourages others during his own difficulties. He, he's not mad and angry because nobody came to visit him. He says, I want to encourage you when I'm going through my own struggles and hardships. For most biblical scholars have come to the conclusion that Paul writes this while in prison in Rome. There's a limited school of thought that believe perhaps he wrote it from the Ephesus prison, but all the indications that time would not permit me to go through suggest uh, that Paul writes this from Rome. Why? Because, Mac, he refers to the royal palace. He refers to the royal servants. And so he writes this from a Roman prison. Why is that so important, Pastor Jackson? And just indulge me for a moment. Because he writes between the years of 61 A.D. to 63 A.D. While he was in prison waiting to be executed. Ooh, please go. I'm, I'm going somewhere. So difficult time in Paul's life. Sitting in prison he could look out of his prison cell and see Nero's chopping block where he would eventually lose his head to a gruesome execution of beheading. So Paul encourages, I'm going somewhere, others why he should have perhaps been discouraged. Paul found a way to write about joy. Now with all of that, Scholars say there is no epistle of Paul that was written that mentions the word joy more than Philippians. Wait a minute, you are about to die. You are on death row. But yet you found a way to talk about the joy of the Lord. Uh, despite his own circumstances, Paul wanted to encourage these faithful believers 
Look at what he says in chapter 4 and verse 4. Paul writes, and I quote, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Somebody ought to just take a moment right now. Cause I know some of you are waiting to better days come, then you will rejoice. Some of you are waiting until your ship comes in and then you will rejoice. But is there anybody under the sound of my voice who says I can rejoice in the Lord right now? I, God is my joy, my strength. God, God is the source of my strength. Right. Is there anybody right now? Come on, I, this is a good time to put a just a 10 or 15 second just praise break. Just just think about it. Come on. You, you don't need something good to happen to you before you can rejoice. Can you take a moment right now and say, Lord, I thank you right now. I've lost some things, but I won't complain. Woo! Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again. Rejoice. Somebody ought to learn how to rejoice during your worst days. You ought to go to work tomorrow and folks think something good is happening to you and say, what's wrong with you? You are in a mighty good mood. Something good has happened. Say, you are absolutely right. Something fantastic happened to me. I got up this morning in my right mind, clothes on my back, food on my table. Ah, you've got a reason to rejoice. You've got a reason to praise God. You've got to where are my praises? Woo! Where are the praises? Woo! Rejoice! 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 When I think of his goodness and all he's done for me, when I think of his goodness and how he set me free, woo! Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 30 more seconds. God deserves at least 30 more seconds. At least 30 more. Woo. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Woo. Rejoice. Rejoice. Look at, look at the text. Paul goes on in verse 11, beginning in that second clause of verse 11 to verse 13, to share these most personal and profound words. Listen to what Paul writes from a jail cell waiting execution Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. this messed me up mother Jackson what, you know what God told me the other week God said man what you complaining about you don't have any reason to feel dejected about anything because I am still God Paul writes and I quote for I have learned to be content whatever somebody just shout whatever come on get on the devil's nerve and just shout whatever whatever the circumstances Paul writes I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty I have learned second time he mentions this the secret of being content in any and then he adds in every situation 
Did you get it? I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether I am well fed or whether I'm hungry. Whether I'm living in plenty or I am living in want. Then I like this. I can do all things all this through him oh, that gives me strength somebody ought to give God a hand of praise Woo. thank you Lord and so just for the remaining few moments look at this passage that I've just read and I want to share three key insights from this powerful, most profound, incredible passage written by Paul in a very difficult situation in his life. Three key insights and we're done. Number one is this. This is so important. Contentment is a process and I intentionally put a period behind it. contentment is a process it doesn't happen all of a sudden you don't wake up one morning and now you're contented for the rest of your life it's a process it happens after you've been through so much shit it happens after a while. It is a process. Listen, I have a better attitude of contentment today than what I had 10 years ago. In fact, I have a better attitude of contentment in 2021 than I had in 2020. Ooh, look at somebody and say, it is a process. Here's what Paul says. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. That's why I like Paul because he was so transparent. He writes, I have learned this. In other words, Paul is telling this, his favorite church, the church in Philippi, that I haven't always been this Paul that you know now. Whew. I couldn't always be this content sitting in a jail ready and willing and almost nearing execution. But I've learned ooh, <laughs> to be content. <laughs> Is there anybody out there who have learned to be content? I've learned to be satisfied. <laughs> You haven't always been there. There have been times even on your spiritual journey that you were anxious. That's why you jumped around so much. That's why uh, you were here and there and over there and back over there and here and again. Because sometimes we need to just be still and wait on the Lord. But they that wait whoo, upon the Lord shall renew their strength. <laughs> I've learned to be content uh, it's a process somebody help me say it's a process it's a process the second key insight taken from this passage this incredible passage that Paul writes is this contentment empowers those who walk by faith to do the extraordinary. Folk wonder, how have you not lost your mind? How can you keep doing what you're doing knowing what you've been through? People see your struggles, but they don't always source or understand the source of your strength. Ah, it empowers us 
who walk by faith. Listen to what Paul writes in verse 13. Paul says, first in the NIV translation, I can do all this. The King James says, I can do all things. <laughs> Reason you're still here. Reason you still have joy is because you've been empowered. You have something inside of you that's greater than the force that's coming against you. Who am I preaching to? Is there anybody know that you've got some extra power, some extraordinary power? You are a spiritual superhero. Yes. Greater than the Black Panther, greater than Superman or Batman or anybody else. God said, I've given you power. <laughs> I've given you power. And then here is the third and the final insight from these incredible verses. The power does not come from you. Power does not come from this pulpit. Power does not come from your DNA. Power does not come from how you were raised. <laughs> the power you have to do all things comes from God. <laughs> In any, anybody can help me and identify with that. It comes from God. Listen to what Paul says, verse 13, the NIV says, through him who gives me strength. The King James says, through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. I can take a licking, keep on ticking. I can have you dog me out and go work with you every day and smile like it's not even on my mind. I can have folk lie on me and still be all right. I can have tragedy knocks me down but get up again. I can bury a loved one but still have joy. I wish I had a church. I wish I had a witness. I need a witness. I need a witness. Come on. All things, all things. Somebody say all things. Come on, stand to your feet wherever you are. Say all things. Oh. Come on, please. chapter 4 verse 19 the new King James version Woo. some of you know the scriptures so very well some of you lived by the scripture pastor Lawson some of us had to be undergirded by this scripture ah, all the faith walkers all of those who've been undergirded by this Paul writes, uh, and my God, I wish I had a witness, and let me make sure I'm in the right place, my God, and my God, and Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shema, Come on, my God. 
He's more than enough. He's more than enough. He's more. He's more. Chevelle and the praise team are coming. But I want to close this message out on a personal note. If you would indulge me as you stand to your feet. The song said he's more than enough. I shared this testimony this morning at 8. Had not planned to share it. My wife wasn't here, so she did not hear it. But she can attest to this. As the music plays, something dramatic happened in my life in 2019 it was the end of 2018 but 2019 was a dramatic time in my personal life that none of you most of you didn't know anything about it was just really private me and God since I don't put my business out on social media you you would not have known that okay this is just me and God but God told me to change your lifestyle 2019 somebody say 2019 pastor Lawson God told me to downsize how you are living I had no explanation but I felt it in my spirit this was 2019 prior to the COVID pandemic here's what God said I need you to sell your business I need you to sell, listen to this, the greatest economic resource you have. And I just want to share this, and please receive it in the humility in which I'm sharing it. I co-owned a building with a business partner in the heart of the Vista. Downtown Columbia, Hampton Street, right next to the Big Apple, right behind the library in the heart of the vista 2018 and 19 economy booming hotels are being built all around that business Deacon Abbott God says I need you to sell it and he says and go to your house and sell your extra car that you have in your driveway Lord, I, I've kind of had three cars for a long time. I, let me enjoy some pleasure. God says, sell it. And he says, don't buy another one. And the car you're driving is eight years old and it's leaking oil. I can't drive my truck to Charleston without putting two to three quarts of oil in it every time. And the car your wife is driving, it's on its last leg. <laughs> In fact, the dealership has told us you need struts and everything else. I can't tell you how long it's going to last, but sooner or later, you're going to be on the side of the road. God says, don't get another. Can I testify? He said, I need you to sell the building. Mother Mary Helens, I need you to sell the car. I need you to sell anything you got extra and don't buy anything else 2019 not knowing what would happen and then here comes 2020 here comes a pandemic out of nowhere and hits everything and you know that bustling crazy economic advancement economy that was going on downtown in the Vista, it stopped. Remember that hotel I was telling you about? It stopped. That other hotel they were gonna build, they never did build it. Whew. That office space that before I sold it would have been full of tenants, there would have been no tenants. <laughs> it all stopped. My business partner from Charleston said to me when I told him I was going to sell the building, he said, that is the craziest thing I ever heard. I've known you all of our lives. 
He says, if you hold on for, for two more years, you will triple the price. And I said to him, I said, but you don't know. He said, where are you getting this advice from? I'm, I'm your advisor. I'm your friend. I says, I'm just getting it from God. And he said to me, in such a wonderful manner, he said, Darrell, I don't understand it, but I trust the God you serve. And he signed over his part, and we sold it. Ooh. And I kept the truck, and I kept the car, and I'm still putting oil in it today. Ooh. But you know what God said to me? I'm more than enough. Ah, and I, I don't know who I'm helping this morning because I don't really like to get this personal. But God told me to do it. God says, I'm more than enough. And I said, Lord, I don't understand this. And Lord says, my income dropped by one third. And God says, I'm more than enough. And I've been young. And now I'm growing a little older. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed to beg bread. I kept eating. I got something on my back. I kept driving because he's my Jehovah Jireh. He's my Jehovah Rapha. God has never left me nor forsaken me. And I say thank you. Anybody know he's more than enough? Come on, Chevelle, tell them. Ah. I invite you if you desire to come to the altar and spacious I don't know who God is talking to right now. Anyone who want to come you right now. Are more Jehovah Rapha, ah, you're my, my healer, yeah. Ooh, ah. and by your stripes I am, I've set free. Somebody lift those voices and help
says to me, eventually your engine is probably going to go and hope you're not on the side of the road. I says, what's your advice? He said, you better keep some oil in your truck. So everywhere I go, <laughs> I'm riding around with extra oil in my truck. Several months ago, maybe a year ago, I was at the state house. Ran low again, light came on, couldn't leave. One of the young men helped me put oil in it. And he said, man, you're a senator. and You're riding around with extra oil in your truck. You sound just like me. I said, but we serve the same God, okay? Here's the good news. That's been two years, and it's still going, okay? Yeah, it's still going. And I'm going to drive it until it goes, until God says do something different. Because what God has taught me is that what I already have is enough. Anybody know that what God has given you is already enough? He's more than that. He's more. Come on, somebody. He's more. pray to those of you that are joining us virtually there is a number on the screen contact us if you want to be saved if you want prayer if you want to dedicate your life or rededicate your life to the Lord if you want someone to talk to you about baptism call us if you're here uh, in this sanctuary after we pray and if you need special prayer if you need if you want to be a part of this congregation if you want someone to talk you through the process of salvation there are elders and ministers waiting for you at the back. Let us pray. Eternal Father, we thank you. We bless you. Lord, I thank you for this series, sub-series on attitudes. Thank you for last week. We talked about an attitude of gratitude. Today we talked about an attitude of contentment. Contentment is just knowing what we already have is more than enough. Thank you, Lord. It's not that we don't want more. It's not that we want to eventually get more. It is that if you don't do anything else, you've already done enough. And we say thank you. Bless someone who's struggling with contentment. Bless someone who's struggling with anxiety. Bless someone who is too anxious. Bless someone who's too obsessed with getting the latest, the greatest, and getting more. Help them to realize that you are already more than enough. We thank you in advance. As Paul says, and my God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And we say thank you in advance for what you are going to do. For this is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that loves the Lord said amen. As you return to your seat, those of you that want to be saved and you want the elders have their hands where you want special prayer, you're more.
ask you if you want to just sow that seed faith offering if you so desire seven dollars a week amen real simple process that God has given us process of being able uh, to build for the future thank you for your contributions the good news is that we have now as of this date saved every penny you've sown have not spent one penny of it amen we'll never spend it on anything operational always go towards the vision sow that seed and watch God bless you I'm not sure what God is going to do I have no expectations of how much God is going to allow God told me at the beginning of this year to drop all your expectations and just trust me and so somebody asked me what do you think we're going to end up with I said I have no idea amen nor do I worry about it all I know is whatever it is it is what God gives and it will be more than enough be a part of this vision God bless you as Pastor Matt comes with the benediction right now God bless you Amen. Give God a praise for the word of God and attitude of commitment as we stand for our benediction. Amen. Let's look to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, so much for your word. God, we thank you because we've learned in whatsoever state we're in just to be content. God, we thank you. You're more than enough and you have provided you're just for us. Now, God, dismiss us from this place, never from your presence. Let us find peace as we return to our destinations. In your name we pray, and all of God's children said amen and amen. You can be seated again. Our ushers will come and will instruct you on how to exit, and we ask that you exit as quick as possible. Uh, Maya's funeral home is here so that we can set up for the homegoing services of our dear Mother Mother Diamond. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. If you desire prayer, please call one 776-1238. There are many safe, secure, and easy ways to give to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Online giving is available to both members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account. You can give via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your check to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will also be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. If you feel as if this service was a blessing to you, or if you were moved by the message in any way, please share with your family and friends. For additional announcements and for more information, be sure to visit our website. That's bwcar.org.